Father, thank you for another year. And thank you that you know what this year holds for each one of us. We don't. But we know you. And we can trust you, Father, to work in ways that are according to your plan. And so we commit this this year to you. We commit our lives to you and, and pray that, Lord, you would work in us according to your will and what you want to accomplish in us and through us. Lord, um, may we see you in a, just a deeper way this year. And I pray that we would grow to love you more. Guide us today as we jump into this lesson, this study. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you know, we are starting a new year, the year 2020. And usually at the beginning of a year, it's a time of reflection. And we think about, uh, some of you may have chosen a word for the year or a theme of the year. I have not yet. Uh, but we in women's ministry usually choose a word or a, a, a theme for the year. But our year starts in the fall. We kind of do our theme from September to April or May, and then we start over. And as you know, our theme for this year is, do y'all know what it is? Drawing near. For those of you who don't know, um, but it's drawing near. And so last semester, we learned how to draw near to God through prayer as we studied the prayers of men and women in the Bible as we studied on bended knee. This semester, we're going to uh, draw near to God as we get to know Jesus better. And a question that I ask myself at the beginning of every year, and I want to ask you, is do you love Jesus more today than you did this time last year? Has he drawn you into a deeper intimacy with him? Or are you just kind of status quo? Kind of just, uh, it's the same. It's kind of, it's okay. Have you drifted away from him in this past year? And it may be because the busyness of life has really taken your attention away. It may be because you prayed for something and God didn't answer it the way you wanted him to. And maybe you're just kind of not feeling it with him. You know, what can you do this year to grow deeper in your relationship with him? What can you do to draw nearer to him? And one of the things we can do is to get to know him better because the more we get to know him, the more we love him. And that is our purpose of this study this semester is to study about Jesus and to get to know him better. And so these next eight weeks, we're going to be studying the eight, or we're going to study eight I am statements from Jesus. And seven are from the book of John, and one is from the book of Revelation. And today, what I want to do this morning we're going to do things a little different today. I'm going to give you a very short introduction to this study. And then I want us to hear from three women from among us 
who are going to share a little bit about their relationship with Christ, their journey. And so I'm going to make my part short, and then we're going to hear from some others. But what I want to do is first give you an overview of the book of John. And I'm going to go through this quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. uh, But there are things that we always want to identify as we begin studying from a book. And first thing we want to look at is the author. Who wrote it? And the traditional view is that John, the apostle, the disciple of Christ, the son of Zebedee, the brother of James, that John is the author of this letter. Although you need to know there are some who disagree with that, who say, well, he never identified himself. He never said, I, John, write this. But I think it's pretty safe to to say that it's, it's implied throughout Scripture. Uh, and so I hold the traditional view that John, his disciple, wrote this letter. The second thing we need to ask is the audience. Who was he writing to? And there are different ways that I've seen it uh, put in commentaries. Uh, what I like, I think the best answer is that the audience he was writing to was pretty much everybody. Everybody. Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, believers, and non-believers, specifically non-believers. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. He was writing to convince unbelievers that Jesus was the Son of God. He was writing um, believers to give them just a deeper knowledge of their Savior. But as several scholars have said, you know, this letter is really for everybody. And we'll see with each of the, the I am's that there may have been a specific target audience for that particular message. But the letter really was for everybody, but primarily those who didn't know Jesus Christ. And then that brings us to third, the purpose. Why did he write it? One word I would say is it was evangelistic. It was to uh, present Jesus as the Savior to those who didn't know him. He tells us why he wrote it in John twenty thirty one, So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. He wanted people to know who Jesus is. He wanted them to know that he was not just a man. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't a prophet. He was God. And that was the purpose of this letter. And so to help them see that Jesus wasn't just a man, but God himself, he shared seven miracles or signs. And if you've seen Cole's book, that's exactly what Cole wrote about, those seven signs. Uh, That may be something you want to read alongside as we study these I am's. But he, John gave them seven signs and then seven I am statements. And so that's the second thing I want to kind of give you this morning is an overview of the I am statements. As I mentioned over these next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at several I am statements of Jesus. Most of them are in the book of John. However, The statements that Becky, the author, focuses on in this study differs 
they differ a little bit from the I am statements usually associated. There's seven main I am statements from the book of John. And let me just give you those, and then I'll tell you how our study's going to differ a little bit. Uh, I put them all up here for you. Uh, These are the seven statements that most commentaries and books identify as the seven key I am statements. I am the bread of life in John 6. I am the light of the world in John 8. I am the door of the sheep in in John 10. And this is the one that Becky doesn't identify. We do not study this one. And then I am the good shepherd in John 10. I'm the resurrection and the life in John 11. I'm the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. And then I am the true vine. Those are the seven key I am statements. But there are several other I am statements in the book of John that aren't as obvious, and they're not really thought of as one of the main I am statements. And and you can put up the next slide, Suzanne, on this one. Um, as I said, Becky doesn't identify or doesn't uh, take a week on I am the door, but we start next week with the I am he statement in John four twenty six. Uh, that's not considered to be one of the major I am statements, but that's where we start when he declares to the woman at the well, I am the Messiah. And that's a good place to start because that's where really it begins. I am the Messiah. The one you've been waiting on. And then she ends our very last week, week eight, we're going to look at an I am statement out of Revelation 117 when he says, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. So as we study these eight I am statements this semester, the question comes up, you know, so what? I mean, how do they impact us today? Most of us, if not all of us in this room, are believers. We know Jesus is God. So do we really need, what implication do these statements have for us? But they do. They have a great implication for us. And I'm just going to walk through them really quickly with you. The first one that we're, and I'm going to do these according to what we're going to be studying. The first one, I am he, out of John 4, just pointing us to the fact that he is the Messiah. He is the one in whom we place our hope. And what encourages us is that because he is the Messiah, he is the one who came for us, we don't have to offer sacrifices every day because he did it once and for all. Then we are free to come into his presence. The second one, I am the bread of life. In John 6.35, what is the implication for us on that? Well, he sustains us. He provides for us. He satisfies us, our hunger. We don't need to look to other means for that sustenance and that satisfaction. The third is, I am the good shepherd in John 10.11. The implication of that is that just like a shepherd tenderly cares for his sheep. Our shepherd cares for us. He will take care of us. He will protect us. He will keep us on the right path or keep bringing us back to where we need to be. 
forth when he says, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. He gives light to those who are in the darkness, who don't know him. He shows the light, but he continues to give us light as believers, pointing us to him and pointing us down the right way. He guides us. Fifth, when he says, I'm the resurrection and the life in John eleven twenty five, that gives us hope after death. I was thinking just this past uh, summer I stood, I had to do the graveside service for my uh, cousin. And as I was sharing that, you know, we can stand around this grave with hope because of a time when another group of people stood around a grave, but it was empty. And because he was resurrected, we don't have to grieve when we see our loved ones die and they know Christ. It points us to him as the source of true life, everlasting life. The sixth, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John fourteen six, he's the means of salvation. The only way. Works can't do it. Other religions can't do it. He is the way. And then the last one, I am the vine. Well, the next to last one, I am the vine. John fifteen five. If we want to be fruitful for God and bear eternal fruit, we can't do it on our own strength. We can only do it as we abide in him and allow him to work through us. He is the source of true fruitfulness. And then we'll finish our study with the I am statement from Revelation 117. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. He always has been. He always will be. He is always with us. Never leaves us. Never turns his back on us. We're never alone. And so these I am statements that we're going to be looking at are often linked with those seven miracles or signs of Jesus. When he said... I am the light of the world. He didn't just say it. But then he performed the miracle of bringing sight to a blind man because he said, I'm the light of the world. Let me show you that I can do that. Then he, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Now let me show you what that means. And he brought him to life. You know, after Jesus fed the 5,000, he declared that he was the living bread. Yes, I'm feeding you physical bread, but that will never satisfy. I am the living bread that will satisfy you. And so as we go through these I am's, look at the miracles and the signs that he performed in conjunction with each statement. Because he's not only saying, I am God. Let me show you that I am God. And so that's how we're going to look at this study in the coming eight weeks. Those I am statements in John's gospel show that Jesus is God. And he's everything that we need. And that's who we want to get to know better. Jesus, our Savior, God himself. 
And my prayer for us, I pray this for myself each year, but I'm praying this for you, is that we would fall more in love with Jesus every day this year. That we would just ask him to draw us closer. And I think about our friend Gail Alverson, who is going through chemo with cancer. And I was talking to her Saturday, and she, I, she said, Cricket, you'd be jealous of where I am. And I went, I would? <laughs> and she said, because of what he is doing to draw me closer to him. I don't want that for us. But you know what? That may be what God has for us. But my prayer is that God would draw us, each one, closer to him, and we'd love him more every day.